This is Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. Each week, you'll hear a portion of a work in progress and have a chance to interact with the author and other readers on the author's blog, posing questions, answering questions from the author, and hopefully having a lot of fun. Are you ready? Let's begin. Episode 3 At the end of Episode 2, Ash and Lathia were called again before Justiciar Camwell to hear his decision on the charges and counterclaims made in the alleged attack that took place in the library. Justiciar Camwell told the scribe to quote directly in the notes for the inquiry, The silly flitterhead is unable to speak the truth or act with proper decorum. And now, episode three. Father, did you hear what he called me? Lathia. Lord Winston closed his eyes and thudded his head once against the wall behind him. Shut up. But father... Now! She yipped, flushed bright red, and started to open her mouth. But something in Camwell's expression made her go pale. She nodded and hunched her shoulders. He should have said that years ago, Lena whispered to Lady Charlotte. Chuckles and whispered comments rose from everyone on that side of the room. Lena, Lady Charlotte, most of the kitchen staff, Friar Ipswich, Pegleg Rufus, Petrock, and nearly half of the servant boys were all crammed onto the benches or standing against the wall or sitting on the floor on the right side of the room, indicating their support for Ash. She would have felt flattered if she didn't have the awful visions of their reactions when the truth finally came out. Quiet! Camwell roared, twice as loud as Lord Winston, with enough force to bring down quite a few curdles of dust from the ceiling beams and decorative tapestries. Ash wondered if she would be employed with the other, smaller members of the servants to climb up there and do the long-delayed cleaning. As I was saying, Camwell said, after a few loud huffs to catch his breath. I find it highly disturbing and rather strongly indicative of just who is the victim and who the attacker in this ugly little scenario when I tally up who was bribed and who was threatened to lie, who wanted to tell the truth despite the bribes and threats, who accepted the bribes and who didn't need the threats. You have a number of folk who are jealous of your skills, boy, he added, glancing at Ash. Then he glanced away as if looking at her hurt his eyes. Be that as it may, the testimony, both false and true by its very silence, cannot compare to the massive deception that has been carried off lo these many years by... He fluttered his fingers at Ash. What is your true name? True name? Lathia squeaked. A grin brought back some of her normal rosy color. Ashlyn, Lord Justiciar. Ash fought not to look at Lathia. Just Ashlyn. What kind of a name is... Camwell pointed one pudgy finger at Lathia, and a single spark of dark green magic rolled along the edge of his broken, dirty fingernail. She squeaked into silence. And how long have you carried off this deceptive masquerade? Sir, if you mean pretending to be a boy so I could read the truly interesting books in the library and get to wear trousers and... Ash shrugged. For as long as I can remember. Your lady says you are quite intelligent. Camwell nodded to Lady Charlotte. Just how far back can you remember? Sir, 
I remember being caught up in a net with a dozen other children when that enormous wave came as far inland as Tipisi, and it wiped out all the towns between it and the shore. We were all muddy and cold, and the people taking care of us put us all in trousers and long shirts. I found out then boys had much warmer clothes, so I decided to keep the boy clothes. It just made sense. From the corner of her eye, she saw Lathia's mouth drop open, and a little thread of drool slid from one corner. It just made sense. How old were you when you decided what made sense and what didn't? The flood that made Tipisi a coastal town was nearly twelve years ago this fall. You don't look much older than that. Ash was the youngest of the children, Lady Charlotte said. Granny Phlox, whom I assigned to tend the children, estimated she was perhaps two or three at the time. I find it hard to believe an infant of three years can remember much of anything, he muttered. Just how did you come all this way to Fairhold from the encampment where they put all the survivors? He turned back to facing Ash. His frown seemed to be softening a little. She wasn't sure if that was a good sign or bad. That is a three-day journey by horse. You can lay the blame at my door, a new voice said from the doorway. Ash turned, shivering a little, to see Hazel standing in the threshold, holding her moss-colored shawl tight around her. She nodded salute to Lord Diggory and Lady Beatrice, sitting with Lord Winston, and let her gaze slide over the man entirely as if he wasn't there. Her gaze turned to the right side of the room, and she made a curtsy when she made eye contact with Lady Charlotte. "'And who might you be?' Camwell said. "'This is Hazel, our local hedge witch,' Lady Charlotte said. "'She saw the wave coming a full week before it hit the coast and swept all those villages to Tipisi.' My son can testify that we both sent warnings to the king and to the Collegium of Enchanters. On Hazel's urging, I went to Tipisi to look for the newly made orphans she also saw in her vision. It's a pity you didn't see the deception this one played on all of you, Camwell said, flicking his fingers in Ash's direction. Who says I didn't? Hazel grinned brightly and then shocked several people, judging by the gasps when she stepped over the threshold, setting off a shower of sparks as the wards reacted to the magic in her blood. She walked over to the right side of the chapel. Wynne hurried to get up and offer her the edge of the bench he had been perched on. She winked at him, making his face flush bright red. Was anyone else party to this? Shocking! I find it highly shocking that any servants in this upstanding household would scheme against their lord and lady. No one else that I'm aware of knew that Ash was a girl, Hazel said. You didn't employ any magic to blind eyes to what they should have seen, did you? Me, sir? My magic isn't that strong to maintain a disguise or illusion spell day in and day out. That would be exhausting and wouldn't leave me any magic to perform my duties that I owe to my lord and lady. She nodded to Lady Charlotte, then to Lord Diggory and Lady Beatrice on the other side of the room. Hmm. <laughs> At least some people know what is right and proper, Camwell muttered. He looked down at the papers spread across the table in front of them, shuffled several, and made noises like he was talking to himself. None of the words made sense to Ash. Then he raised his head and looked at her. So very sad, he said, his voice softening to a pensive rumble. Either you are a skilled liar and cheat, or the inhabitants of Castle Fairhold are utter nincompoops and utterly oblivious. Which is it? "'Sir?' Ash blurted. Lathia snickered. Camwell's head snapped around, and he skewered her with a glare that came close to setting her on fire. Ash felt the heat of it. "'Sir, I am small and thin and plain,' 
so it was easy to carry off the deception, and my outdoor chores made me rather dirty all the time. I think that makes it easy to convince people that I was just what they had been told I was, a boy. Indeed. So you don't consider yourself a liar and cheat and fraud? Ash trembled. It took all her willpower not to turn to give pleading looks to Lady Charlotte and Lady Lena. They had told her to keep her gaze fastened on Camwell throughout the inquest. She had to impress on him that she wasn't going to burst into tears, or faint, or display other signs of mental or emotional weakness. She wanted to crawl between the cracks in the stone pavement and vanish. Lathia snickered. Both these maidens, Camwell paused to put emphasis on the word, are at fault here. No one is innocent. This creates an interesting situation, ripe for experimentation and a lesson to be learned for both sides. Yes, lessons must be taught. I decree a trial period, a quest. Success or failure will determine which one is the victim and which one is merely a selfish little snot that lies as naturally as breathing. He focused his gaze and the force of his voice on Lathia as he spoke. What sort of quest? Lord Diggory asked. Hmm, that requires some thinking and some preparation. He sat back in his chair, making it creak and groan in protest, and crossed his arms. We will return here in two days. That will be a sufficient time to come up with the trial and the means and the method. Lena escorted Ash out of the castle. Lady Charlotte asked her to do it to protect her from Lord Winston's few manservants who were loyal enough to try to harm her. Ash glimpsed one of them and wondered if the wrinkly, sour-faced man had some kind of magic that he would try to use against her. She couldn't imagine any other way he could best her. Huh, they're all like that, Lena said, when she caught Ash watching the man as they crossed the main courtyard of the castle. Only the desperate are willing to put up with the pitiful wages my father offers, and they're the only ones Alethea doesn't terrify. Ash didn't feel any tingling or stinging in her two stars, but she suspected using her two birthmarks to detect the presence of magic might be a dangerous kind of mistake. When she asked if the manservants had any magic, Lena laughed under her breath. If they ever had any, they forswore it or stifled it, working for my father. He's the sort who won't allow anyone around him to be more powerful. People say my mother's family has magic in their blood, but what fledgling magic she had faded away after she married him. She looked around as they crossed the dancing meadow that lay between the castle's outer walls and the first of the pastures for horses and cattle. My patron fears that the leech potion still exists, and my father, or perhaps his father, obtained a large supply of it, and they erased what magic my mother had, and I might have had. Leech potion, milady? Ash asked. She looked up at Lena and caught her breath at the brief expression of hurt and anger that touched her face gone as quickly as it had appeared. A tonic, originally created, they say, to ease the suffering of those who are awakening to their inborn magic, but having a hard time of it. She rested a hand on Ash's shoulder, guiding her to walk a little faster as they finished crossing the horse meadow and came to the low, raw stone wall separating it from the cow pasture. Magic doesn't always arise easily for those chosen to bear the weight. Sometimes the power hurts. Sometimes it steals the mind. Sometimes it crushes the body with a heavy burden that the bearer never recovers from. Why do you think seers are usually blind? Why do you think so many healers are twisted and broken in some way? The magic needs a power source. 
And when the channels for power to feed that magic are blocked or are thin and twisted, the magic draws its strength from the flesh of the possessor, who is then possessed. The master becomes the servant. She inhaled slowly, deeply, with thin lines forming around her eyes and mouth just for a moment. Watch your feet. Ash flushed and caught herself before she tripped over a stone partially hidden in the tall grass. She had been so fascinated by the subtle play of emotions on Lena's face, she had been watching the warrior maiden instead of the land around them. A snort escaped her when she saw the brown deposits dotting the field around them. This was not a good place to be distracted. Best to watch where she put her feet for the time being. The leech potion wasn't a tonic after all, she asked, after they had walked for several minutes and were nearly to the other side of the cow pasture. Tonic implies something that is supposed to be good for you. Exactly. The leech potion wasn't called the leech potion until the demand for it spread beyond the kingdom where it originated, and a small battle erupted to force the alchemist who created it to share the recipe so others could make it in their countries. Several wizards joined forces and took apart the falsely labeled tonic to discern the ingredients and process. That was when they realized it had been designed to kill magic before it could finish blooming into life, not help in the process. You think your father made your mother drink it? Ash asked, her voice dropping nearly to a whisper. Oh, he wouldn't have been that open. He put it in her food for maybe years. Killing her magic weakened her body and mind. Lena's mouth twisted, as if she fought not to say something. They climbed over the stone wall of the cow pasture, and ahead of them was the small thatched cottage where Ash had lived when she first came to Castle Fairhold. Just see the difference between Lathia and me. Mother's family couldn't do anything to help her by the time they realized something was wrong, but they were able to do something for me. My patron was able to have me cleansed, and I wear several defensive charms. Every once in a while, my father tries to slip some potion into my food, but he's essentially given up on me as a lost cause. He couldn't interfere when Mother's relatives helped me petition to join the warrior maidens, and he's such a hidebound fool, he thinks he can't marry me off and use me to better his fortunes. Everything rests on Lathia now, which is why he's going to do everything dirty and dishonorable that anyone could imagine, to punish you and exonerate her. He wouldn't try to destroy my magic, would he? If he finds out you have any, I'd suggest pretending to be far less than you are until this whole ridiculous inquest is over and Father and Lathia have fled. Could you take me as your servant? Take me to the warrior maidens? Ash sighed and spread her arms. I'm not exactly built to be a warrior, but, well, isn't there something I could do to be useful? I will confer with Aunt Charlotte, Lena said. Right now, Granny Phlox wants to see you. She might have some words of wisdom to help you through this. And it's only common sense to get you away from the castle, from the curious and the ones who will be angry that you fooled them so easily. Lena squeezed Ash's shoulder, then gave her a gentle shove forward as she released her. Ash stumbled a few steps and looked back once. The older girl nodded to her and stepped back, very clearly refusing to go the rest of the way with her. This surge of reluctance to return to the only childhood home she remembered was ridiculous, Ash knew, but she couldn't help it. Her legs wobbled for a few steps before she silently scolded herself to stop being a ninny. Granny Phlox was stern, but she was never cruel, and more than once she had turned into a whirling fury to defend the children given into her charge. If they were her pups, then she was a she-wolf, unhindered by her blindness. 
Ash took several deep breaths and focused on the muffled thud of her heart in her ears as she approached the door of the cottage. She wished now she had come back more often to visit Granny Phlox, especially after nearly all the boys who had been brought here with her had gone away, either adopted or apprenticed. Three boys who had been barely toddlers when Lady Charlotte gathered them up still lived in the cottage and spent their days tending the cows and chickens and pigs in the nearby fields and byres. That was no excuse for neglecting the old woman who was the only mother she could remember. "'Is this judgment?' Ash whispered, pausing and raising her hand to knock. She grinned, knowing how Granny Phlox would react if she posed that question to her. Granny had a wry, common-sense view of Athiosius and what the Creator expected of people. She shook her head and thumped three times on the frame of the door. Silence. Ash held her breath. Granny should have called out. Had she grown deaf since the last visit, or was she ill? The latch rattled. The door slid open. Lantern light spilled out, over the shoulder of Hazel. Ashlyn, good, she chuckled when Ash gaped at her. Did you think you could keep your secret from me? My name... Ash shook her head. She was going to say that her name wasn't Ashlyn, just Ash. But a sensation like a warm breeze swirled around her, and she heard echoes of a woman calling to her, laughing calling her Ashlyn. Tears warmed and blurred her eyes at the sudden certainty she heard her mother's voice. I haven't used my name for... years. Yes, well, change is being forced upon us. Hazel stepped back, pulling the door wide open. We don't have as much time as I would like. You are blessed with powerful friends. Whether they are powerful enough, well, only Athiosius knows. Is that my pup? Granny Phlox's creaky voice emerged from the shadows, twined with a warm chuckle that always hinted she was ready for mischief and could outdo her twelve charges in any sort of trouble they might try to make. Ash stepped inside and inhaled deeply, testing the air, using the scents of the long main room of the cottage to tell her if anything had changed since she had last been here and if the changes were for good or ill. For a few steps, nothing smelled familiar. Had she been gone that long? Then she wondered if the change was in her. Hadn't Lady Charlotte said something just last winter, how prolonged exposure to anything dulled the senses, and only the new or changed gained any real notice? Inhaling slowly, she continued forward, to the corner where Granny Phlox had always perched with her knitting, or mending, or her seemingly never-ending task of mixing dried herbs into dose-sized bundles, for seasoning and for healing. Now she caught the aroma of tangy and bitter and pungent, swirled throughout with the unmistakable pong of boys who feared the touch of water, unless they could swim in it. Ash blinked hard against a sudden burning in her eyes. Tears, not discomfort. What was wrong with her, that she had this ridiculous tendency for weeping? If this was another change being wrought by the blossoming of her bosoms, well, she wasn't sure what she would do. Find an enchanter who could provide her with a magic charm to stop it before any more damage was done? Was there such magic? So, you've come running back to Granny. Are you seeking answers or just a hiding hole? The old woman murmured, reaching out a skeletal hand. She took hold of Ash's hand across the table before the girl could look around for one of the stools tucked under the table. One of her fondest memories was of long talks with Granny, helping her with her never-ending work, perched on a stool, learning to do her work by feel and smell, because the room was always in shadows. The old woman held on until Ash sat down, then patted her hand and reached into her basket to resume her work. 
I don't know, Ash said, after thinking for several moments. Wise answer, Hazel said. She caught one of the stools with the side of her foot and shoved it out where Ash could find it, then tugged another out for herself. Give them time, Granny said, her words punctuated by the crackle of a dried seed pod opening. The question is if we have much time at all. I felt the wards snapping into place around the chapel from outside the castle, Hazel said. That much magic at work. I'm worried. Why? Ash said. She wriggled once, remembering the feeling like a spark on her two stars. Do I have magic? Of course you do. Granny cackled softly. And that's the problem, Hazel added. I've always disliked Camwell. Constantly trying new things, working to impress all the powerful people, flaunting what power he does have, slapping them in the face with his authority, and then acting as if they are great friends. And when he takes something by his authority, that they're actually making a gift to him of their own free will. I've lived in terror for all you children, from the moment he was assigned to this sector of the kingdom. Why terror? Granny said, before Ash could frame the question. You survived the flood when you shouldn't have. Why did you survive and your parents didn't? There's magic destiny of one kind or another wrapped around each of you twelve, and far too many wrong-minded folk running around, using magic they don't understand, awakening magic before its proper time, causing ripples in the stream of magic underneath the land, attracting the wrong kind of attention. It's exhausting keeping my eye on all twelve of you, but the farther apart you all are from each other, the safer you are, less chance for magic to build up to the point of making noise, like the noise from those warding spells. Hazel gripped Ash's wrist. Did you feel or hear anything when you stepped into the chapel? Ash nodded. Loud or soft? A bird's chirp is easily hidden among all the other notes of magic, but a loud clanging bell? That's hard to disguise or mistake for something else. No sound. A stinging, just for a moment. Reluctantly, Ash touched the spot on her breastbone. She certainly wasn't going to gesture at the spot on her buttocks, because what if Hazel wanted to see it? Bad enough she had opened her shirt for Lady Charlotte to prove she was a girl. All right, all right. That's good for you, for all of us. Hazel jolted up from the stool and paced down the length of the room. No sounds. That means your magic, whatever it is, is still sleeping. She reached the end of the room and turned around, pivoting on one heel and came back toward them. I should have come up with an excuse to get you out of the castle. The warning signs were all there. You've been safe all this time when it was just the Justiciar visiting, or just that ninny and his pox of a daughter. But I didn't foresee both problems coming to the castle at the same time. It's too soon. And that's the end of episode three. In episode four, Granny Flocks and Hazel will tell Ash a few more things, some warnings, some advice, and try to figure out a way to get her out of this problem caused by Lord Winston, Lathia, and Justiciar Camwell. Will Ash avoid problems? Will she manage to evade Lord Winston's servants? Will Justiciar Camwell cause even more trouble for Ash? Tune in for episode four next week. And please remember to visit my blog and chat with the other listeners who might have questions. That's Michelle Levine, L-E-V-I-G-N-E dot blogspot dot com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>